And that's a football thing? That's a football thing. Football thing, Sucker, okay. Sucker, man. Sucker. I do love a bit of Badil and Skinner. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris. And me, Graham Jones. And this week, apart from the novelty of us being in the same room together, we are talking about... What, what are we talking about today? We are talking about... I, I, thanks for passing it over to me. Uh, we are talking about movies where it didn't come home. And why is that? We're talking about movies where it, did, <laughs> where it didn't come home because we are, at the point of this being released, about two and a half ish weeks post euro 2020 where we basically had the decision that this episode was either going to be movies where it comes home or movies where it doesn't where it doesn't come home and unfortunately we're we're with the latter it's been a couple of weeks i'm i'm okay that's that's the important thing (laughs) because obviously we we did want to release this episode at a time that would have been you know hashtag still going around slightly you know a, a bit more calendar appropriate but what we did was we went out for a friend's birthday and got really drunk in the sun and 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 saved a life oh and saved a life yeah we're uh i don't want to say uh we're we're heroes but uh we we did i mean are we gonna go like proper <laughs> the real heroes are the ambulance service <laughs> i mean the real heroes were the ambulance service because we'd have been fucked without them yeah true um, to, to cut a long story short while we were very drunk in the sun somebody was very <laughs> drunk in the sun and we had put down our steins and uh literal steins i'm not i'm not just being a wanker and referring to big asses <laughs> steins and uh and, and call call an ambulance which is which is good and then we got more drunk and then woke up the next day realizing none of us had had the time to research anything and we just really wanted to die yeah yeah sunday sunday was tough but yeah but but also i'm assuming some of our more sporty listeners probably weren't over it by then anyway so maybe maybe it's good that we've got a little bit of little bit of space we've got um yeah we've got we've got a bit of space we've had time to reflect um we've had time to grieve and the annoying thing about it is it was inevitable it was absolutely inevitable, and there is no reason I should have got my hopes up, even if we were finally in a final. It was always going to come down to penalties, and England were always going to lose on penalties. It was objectively really good tournament. It's the best we've done in a long time. Unfortunately, England fans showed their true colours, both before the game on Sunday, during the game on Sunday, and in the most horrific fashion after the game on Sunday. Yeah, There is no excuse for the kind of shit that those three players got. They have got bigger balls than I think anyone that was tweeting them racist stuff afterwards. I thought footballs were always uniform size <laughs> in international competitions. We're making jokes about it, like we're, whilst we're talking about a serious subject of racism. We're yeah, gonna... it's how I cope. <laughs> it's it's that or, or fully acknowledge how <laughs> shitty our fellow people are. Yeah, no, that's that is a very fair point. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, jokes aside, you, you do have to acknowledge how shitty people are and not sweep it under the carpet. Otherwise, it doesn't get better. Yeah, but also, yes, size five. <laughs> so, yeah, as I say, good tournament, uh, unfortunate ending. However, in the spirit of all things football, and as I know you are Wales's number one soccer fan extraordinaire, Ian, I thought 
we'd have a little quick fire football quiz before we got into the episode. Yeah, so let's let's should we put our our uh, kind of football knowledge on the table here? Mm-hmm. Uh, my football knowledge ends around FIFA '98 Road to the World Cup. Which, to be fair, was an amazing N64 game. It was very good. Um, it was uh, the, the indoor portion yeah, of it you was had particularly indoor good. Um, I used to play against a guy I went to uni with, and he would be Portugal and I'd be Wales. And the difference in stats was so severe, a Portuguese player could get within two foot of a Welsh player and just suddenly have the ball. <laughs> I think, to be fair, that is quite accurate. It was fairly realistic. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't even know how cutting or accurate that insult is. I I, I don't know what it is about football. Like, f- growing up for a long time, I thought I didn't like sport. Yeah, and it turns out I just I'm just not football's not for me, and that's fine. People people can enjoy things I don't enjoy as long as it's not. I can't think of something clever that's proper. Love Island. People shouldn't like Love Island. No, especially not ad-free Love Island, which yeah. is a joke that makes no sense to anyone other than <laughs> yeah. the people who were in this room half an hour ago. But believe us, dear listener, it is. That was a very Stanley thing for me to say. <laughs> Excelsior. But it, is a, it was a funny joke in the moment. We're not yeah. explaining it to you. We, we don't have to spoon feed you everything. Okay, so insert who wants to be a millionaire music. Uh, so five questions. Five questions, okay. They're fairly simple. Can I find a friend? They, well, no, you can't find a friend. Okay. They, they start very simple and get a little bit more progressively difficult. Okay, before before we start, yes. how many do you think I'm going to get? Just just so I can correctly gauge. I would have thought you would get at least three Okay. out of five. Okay. Okay, so question number one. As we say, starting off very easy. Who won Euro 2020? Uh, which was held in uh, 2021. Yes. Uh, Italy. Italy did win Euro 2020. Yes. One Boom, out one of one. Um, okay. Second question. And I'm going to lean on your patriotism here. I would like you to name three Welsh players <laughs> from the Euro 2020 squad. And if you can tell me who scored the opening goal for Wales, I'll give you a bonus point. Uh, G- Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale, yeah. Ramsey. Yeah, what's his first name? Aaron? Yes. And Jones. <laughs> um I'm just double checking. I don't think that is actually a Jones. Isn't it isn't a Jones. No, a, a Davies. Um a Thomas. There's a Davies, there is a Davies. There we go. Yeah, Davies. That's what I said. Davies. Yeah, but you, you... Bale, Bale, Ramsey, and Davies. <laughs> Easy. Uh, and the first goal was scored by Aaron Ramsey. It wasn't. It was scored by Kiefer Moore. Ah. So unfortunately, no. That was, no that, was that was the next one I was going to go. <laughs> no points for that question. Third question: If a game goes to extra time, how many minutes would have been played by the final whistle? So there, I'm not. I'm not including like the 93 minutes if there's injury time. 120. Correct. I still don't understand why football doesn't stop the clock when there's like an injury. I don't get stoppage time. Well, it, it, the ref stops the clock. Nah. Which is how you get an accurate injury time. Or okay. accurate. I see. Um, okay, fourth question. Fourth question. What is a Rabona? <laughs> a Rabona? Rabona. Um, it's when the Terminator is aroused. <laughs> 
it's what Robin Williams got at the end of Bicentennial Man. <laughs> it is a step over thing. You're not a million miles away, but no. Then I'm going to stick with robot erection jokes. <laughs> it is the technique of kicking a football where the kicking leg is crossed behind the standing oh, leg. Oh, fuck. I saw a video of that the other... Because um, uh, an NFL player tried to do it to start a game. Uh, and some, just kinked, some, kicked his own leg and the ball f- just fell over. Yeah, they do it sometimes for onside kicks, actually. Yeah. Ah. And your final question... Is I would like you to explain the offside rule. Uh, the offside rule is uh, there has to be a defender between you and the goal when you receive the ball. So the last the last defender is kind of like an imaginary line. Yeah, and you have to be the right side of it when the ball's kicked. If you're on the wrong side of it, it's offside. Okay, so you said two different things that you said. One, when you receive the ball, and one, when the ball's kicked. When the ball's kicked. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Ian wins. Ian, Ian, got you got, yeah, three, exactly what I expected. I'll take it. I'm, it's, uh, I'm impressed. That, that was a lot kinder quiz than I would have given you if we were doing this because of the rugby world. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. See, my foot, my, my, yeah, my, my football knowledge isn't horrific. Um, again, it's not great. You see, the problem with VAR is the idiots behind the technology can't even draw the line straight at times. Non-footballing people making the rule shambles. Okay, cool. So, have you? Where did you find your crib sheet? Uh, I messaged my friend Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's my that is my my go-to uh, phrase. I I also did a bit of footballing research. Oh wow! So just searching weird football facts because that's the kind of thing that helps me sleep at night. Dundee United have a 100% win rate against Barcelona. Nice. Uh, Denmark didn't qualify for the 1992 Euros. But won it. But won the 1992 Euros. Uh, Mark Hughes, Welsh player from the 80s. Yeah. Played for Wales and Bayern Munich in the same day. That's impressive. (laughs) Um, And do you know what the highest number of recorded own goals in a match is? Four? Uh, 149. (laughs) So Madagascar side SOE were protesting a poor refereeing decision in the previous game, so just hammered the ball into their own net the entire game, and that is that is the kind of bitterness I can get behind. But beautiful game. So yeah, so uh, uh, you're gonna have to take the lead. I'm dragging this fucking intro out. <laughs> I could I could talk at length about how broken the 2003 FIFA uh, free kick mechanics were, but. That's really it. Um, I mean, what, what would you like to know? Football. 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 Um, Pele. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he is famously, talking of robot erections... Uh, Beg your pardon? <laughs> Pele famously uh, starred in a series of uh, impotence adverts. For robots? <laughs> Not for robots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that. That's that's an interesting factoid. Um, he was in a shitty Sylvester Stallone movie, Escape to Victory. Escape to Victory, where the actors couldn't play football and the footballers couldn't act. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no. For, I mean, look, I I I love football, as you well know. Uh, I am a season ticket holder at Watford. Um, I have been for quite some time now. One of the outside of like all of the obvious terrible things that have come with the pandemic, one of the worst things personally was not being able to get to football. Like, watching football on the TV yeah. without fans and not being able to be there every week was 
kind of soul destroying like along with everything else when you're just feeling really shit anyway yeah trying to enjoy that especially when we had the whole project restart thing and we got relegated that was shit yeah then we not not ideal then we came straight back up yeah what i would what i would recommend for that is um support a team who play 150 miles away because (laughs) from a young age when when that's the case you you kind of get used to the idea of not seeing them live more than once a year (laughs) seeing them live talking about them like they're a fucking band yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, li- their their live stuff is better than their recorded. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it they always seems to go on for longer. They always get decent support teams in. Yeah, yeah, and it just doesn't really, the sound doesn't really translate to, to vinyl, I don't think. No, no, it's not the same. It's just not the same. <laughs> now, World in Motion vinyl, I would get. That, yeah. That's something that sounds like it would be interesting. To, I, I own some weird vinyls. Uh, Muhammad Ali vs. Tooth Decay. <laughs> Excellent. That is a real vinyl. Uh, so I, I witnessed John Barnes perform World in Motion live at a Watford game. He nice. did he did the entire rap to the rookie end. That was fun. Just because he was there, and that's what John Barnes does when he's around. And also not the only... So uh, here's a fun fact as well. From being in the crowd at Watford, I have been on the X Factor. Okay. <laughs> so there is... Uh, Watford played Man United um, on like a Tuesday night game. This is the kind of football content we want. You on X Factor. (laughs) On a random Tuesday night game, uh, Watford played Man United. And apparently at the time, X Factor was on and there was a group. Cannot remember the name of the group for the life of me, but they were local to Watford. So they were like, as part of like an X Factor VT for the thing the next week, Uh, they did like a halftime performance it so happened that during the halftime performance the camera panned onto the crowd and i was in the uh, audience and there was a shot of me on x factor looking thoroughly unimpressed exciting uh, it, it didn't help that i think we were three nil down at halftime as well so like wheeling out an x factor band to a stadium full of football fans i think is probably not the best idea anyway let alone when you're being trounced 3-0 at halftime. No one has got time for yeah, that. It's, it's not ideal. When, when was that? Um, oh, God. That must have been 20, say 2017, 2018. Maybe? So is that, that before VAR? That was pre-VAR, yeah. Yeah, because you see the problem with VAR <laughs> is the idiots behind the technology can't even draw the line straight at times. It's just non-footballing people making the rules. Shambles. Uh, okay, so b- before we dive into our choices... I believe you have a movie recommendation for I us. do have a movie recommendation. And what is your movie recommendation nobody asked for? My movie recommendation nobody asked for this week is a movie where um, it does come home. <laughs> and it is not IT, it's E.T. Um, <laughs> so E.T., the extra... It just listens out that Ian took his glasses off and rubbed his... <laughs> Rubbed his eyes and face palmed. E.T. nineteen eighty two film obviously needs no introduction. It's an absolute classic. E.T. not only comes home, he phones home. Um, <laughs> he also uh, the driving force behind the plot is coming home. It, it, it is, yeah. Um, though there is a bit just before he goes, he tells he tells Elliot that even though he is going home, um, he's always going to be in his forehead. Um, because yeah. he says he's going to always be here and then presses his glowing, uh, weird glowing finger. Yeah. Yeah. 
So E.T. used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. I'm quite glad you said that because my next point here is it it traumatised me as a child. In the the field? The bit that got me was when he's like in the government facility and he's gone like a weird crusty white colour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like like, uh, you don't see... Fucking hell. You don't see white dog shit anymore, do you? (laughs) (laughs) That seems to have been a thing of the past. I guess because now people largely clean up after their dogs and I don't yeah. think back in like the early 90s they did like pooper it, scoopers were a revelation yeah let's 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 really dive into this in some detail was it did it come out white or was it just like an aged dog shit then? <laughs> it's an aged dog it's ah. like how whiskey goes in clear and comes out ah, brown. okay so it's it's it's, it's dog re- shit is anti-whiskey dog, dog, dog shit is reverse whiskey yeah. okay good to know good to know I feel all right I've learned something today but yeah when ET is like White dog shit kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. Oh, uh, yeah. Used to, it, it's when, when he's looking for him in like the field. Yeah. And he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> used to, I don't know why, it used to scare the ever loving shit out of me as a kid. Um, okay. So if you aren't a fan of Aliens yeah. and uh, the CIA, um, is there any other film you could recommend? So I'm going to pick a film um, that would maybe have been a good choice for this episode. I won't go into extreme detail as to why, but it's a film that is it's trippy, it's colourful, it's face smashy, it's a masterpiece. It's Midsummer. Go don a flower garland, hollow out a bear and have a good time because it is one of the best films going and... Um, yes, we're recommending it again. Yeah, nothing says a good time in a heat wave like staying in a hollowed out bear. <laughs> so, well, if it's a polar bear. Well, true, but polar bears are still warm. Not if they're in the Arctic. Antarctic. Yeah, but, yeah, but then Arctic. But then the heat wave's not going to be a problem because we're in the Arctic. Yeah, and I- exactly my point, Ian. It would be a good idea to be in a hollowed out polar bear. All right, fair play. Plus, yeah, you wouldn't want to get it delivered down here, like the delivery costs alone. Damn, damn Brexit. Well, Brexit plus the pandemic. I mean, um, freight costs have gone up threefold, Ian. It's just so tough being us. <laughs> so, without further ado, I believe it is my first choice for uh, movies where it isn't coming home. My first choice, where it isn't coming home, I'm just going to say that as often as I can, is, uh, so we're, we're, we're back to uh, the magical world of Zack Schneider. Oh, uh, friend what, of the podcast. What a guy. Um, and his first feature film, the the 100 minute long Dawn of the Dead. I was just going to ask, is, is it not coming home because it's just taking too long? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's no, so like it, it is hilarious. Zach Schneider jokes aside, Dawn of the Dead is fucking amazing. Very, very good remake. So it's obviously the, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. It follows a character called. Anna, who returns, she does briefly return home. Right. After a long shift as a nurse, wakes up the next morning, and her husband's been killed by a zombie toddler. Uh, and she flees, never to come home again. So when she flees, it also starts arguably the greatest introduction to a film ever. We talked about it before. Like, r- regardless of what you think about Zack Schneider and Zack Schneider films, he is very good at compiling music. Oh, 100%. So nobody wanted him to pick The Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash, and nobody wanted him to pick 
gone with this uh down with the sickness the richard cheese cover and he picked both and they are both like proper iconic scenes in the film didn't he go back to richard cheese in army of the dead as well i i he might have gone back to him more than that richard cheese is great richard cheese pops up in this is a fucking hell of a tangent so richard cheese pops up in a film called barb and star go to vista del mar which we watched the other day and it is legitimately fucking amazing yeah i need to after seeing the trailer and i mean anything Kristen wig is in is yeah. like fine by me it, it's we were I, I wasn't expecting a lot i was expecting the kind of film where you enjoy it when you're watching it but then you slowly forget it and it's not it's legitimately one of the funniest films i've seen in a while <laughs> which is nice it's kind of like I, I think comedy i don't know if it's because of the pandemic or just everyone's kind of a bit of sick of everything a lot of comedy that's come out now seems to be a lot more kind of positive and nice yeah like what well, uh, ted lasso is a great example of it like none of the jokes in ted lasso and n- hardly any of the jokes in barb and star are at the expense of other people but they're still really funny yeah it, it's yeah well and, and it's funny that com- another complete tangent but uh, it's one of my favorite bands frank Hart and rattlesnakes yeah. they've just got an out they've got a new album coming out in october and they did it all over lockdown and they were talking about how with lockdown, it would be so. If you don't know Frank Cartwright, I'll say they're kind of like they're. I would say punk is probably the best punk. Punk, like, punk is the closest approximation to it. Yeah, and they have I think varying degrees of punk and hardcore throughout the discography. It's too, yeah, it's too rocky for punk. It's too punky for rock. Yeah, it's too clean to be heavy. Yeah, it's too heavy to be clean. Yeah, they're in a, they're in a very sweet spot. I, I could keep this up. It's too pop to be no. We'll stop. But they, um, I mean, you know, to give you an idea of some of, they have a song called "I Hate You." Um, that's where you know, some of the lyrics go with some of their stuff. But they were like during the, it was be very easy to write a very negative album during lockdown. Yeah, and they've basically come out and said this is like the most punchy, positive, dancey kind of album that they've ever put together, and the songs that they've released so far echo that. So yeah, it's interesting that people with like artistic leanings are going that way, which I think is good thing because we don't need more negativity yeah no exactly but you know when they they weren't going positive 2004 so <laughs> and I, I mean that so like to, to a summation of how gory and disgusting dawn of the dead is uh, a lot of the camera crew had to wear like plastic sheets just to uh kind of patrick bateman themselves away from uh, all the fake blood and guts and squibs and shit that were exploding everywhere so Anna's left home, never to go back, and she teams up with a group of people and they basically take over this shopping centre. And then they live in the shopping centre. And it's surrounded by zombies and they just kind of get on with their life. And then because of a rescue operation gone wrong, uh, zombies break into them all and they then have to flee. So I'm arguing she it doesn't come home twice. <laughs> because just as she's kind of made a new home in the mall... They're forced to leave and they never go back there. So, and then to top it off again, to, to kind of, va- I, I mean, I was about to say vaguely spoil, to give away the ending of a film that came out depressingly nearly 20 years ago now, they then all go to an island and die. So I, I would argue there are three instances there <laughs> where it doesn't come home, or at least a very good reason why it didn't. But it's a, it's a great film. And it's like I said, it's gory as fuck, which is always, uh, yeah, always I, a nice thing. I remember really enjoying it, and it's 
there's very few horror remakes or reboots that kind of hit the mark and i think that's definitely like that is up there the evil dead remake is up there but yeah it's really it's well, i think it's it's because they that they it's a remake but that they just ran with the concept rather than trying to remake the film. Yeah, it's not it's not a shot for shot. Yeah, it's just it, instead of trying to just ape the storyline of the the first film or the, the the original, they just took the idea of people held up in a shopping yeah. center and added Ving Rhames to it. Yeah, exactly, which is always a good sign for a film. But they um <laughs> there's a scene where someone gets accidentally chainsawed and apparently they had like a life-sized model of them that had like a reloadable blood cartridge bit which was the bit that was going to be cut by the chainsaw nice so they just had to reload basically this mannequin with <laughs> gore to film it it just makes me did you ever watch deadliest warrior uh was that where they used to pit to like yeah so it was like vikings or samurai yeah yeah and they would have like they just ballistics gel but they'd make it into really weird things like just people and at one point elephant skin <laughs> nice just to just to see so yeah you just cut to someone and it's like so we're gonna see what this weapon does to uh this dude and then cut to a ballistics gel like bust nice two 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 comments here one uh have you ever seen forged in fire uh, i've seen bits of it one of the best shows on tv yeah. two in deadliest warrior i'm assuming uh the vikings never got to the final Oh, uh, we actually did get to uh, a couple of Super Bowls, uh, but we lost. Uh, so yeah, no, the Samurai wins. There was, there was a... Samurai vs. Viking was an argument which nearly... It was the second argument that nearly tore our social group apart. Like, we, 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 we properly got into that. Um, the first one was who would win in a fight between 10 gorillas and a T-Rex. Obviously a T-Rex. Right! Of course, it's obviously the fucking T-Rex. But it's one of those things where people pick a side really quickly. Yeah. And it is impossible to switch sides once you, like, very quickly decide it. Yeah. Because I thought, uh, so a friend of mine, um, won't name names, likes to, uh, he gets a lot of pleasure from just taking the contrary decision and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get old. Loves a left-handed um, quarterback. And he said 10 gorillas, and I, we, you know, we, we were arguing about it, and then everyone left, and I was talking to him, it's like, you don't actually think 10 gorillas would win? And it's like, no, 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 of course they would. Like, they're cleverer, thumbs, all that. It's like, really? Thumbs. Yeah. I had to properly sit him down and go, like, you're not, you're not just doing, like, it can stay between me and you. <laughs> like, you're not just saying this. It was, uh, so yeah, that's when I spent a lot of my life. But yeah, Fortune Fire is amazing. It's just, oh. I was switching through channels and it popped up and just to see like a massive guy talking to two other massive guys and then just saying like, so for the final round, uh, we want you to build a seven foot long Claymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, good times. So Dawn of the Dead, like I said, they, they don't go home. Yeah. Uh, they then make the shopping center their home and then they also don't go home to that. So they survive in the shopping center for 29 days. Could you survive in a shopping mall surrounded by zombies for 29 days? Ooh. I have on Dead Rising. Oh, God, I love that game. Um, I think I'd give it a good go. Yeah, because obviously like the, the, the thing is, American, American malls yeah. have a lot more to offer in terms of zombie defense than British ones. 
yeah, because yeah. I went through. Can... Yeah, so we're not that far from Westfield in West London, which is the is one of the biggest, right? Because the Stratford one's bigger. Mm, but then they extended the one at oh yeah, thingy, so I think it might be. It, it, basically, it's, I, it's I, in the top two. Yeah, basically, I believe the phrase is it is a massive fuck off shopping center. And I looked through the shops as you obviously do. Yeah, and there's the Disney store, which is nice. Yep. Flying Tiger might have something a bit weird. Flying Tiger use. has everything. Yeah, it might have something, bow and arrow or something like that. Uh, the Lego store, you could build like some Rambo-style traps with it. And that's literally the closest I got. Uh, there's a Tesla showroom in there. Ah, nice. So we could kind of strap, strap, strap our Lego weaponry to that. Yeah. So that, that would, uh, until the, until the uh, batteries run out, we'd be all right with the Tesla. Yeah, because you've we, got the, there's a sizable food court, so I don't think food's going to, we, we wouldn't starve to death within no. 29 days. And excellent cinema, so there's entertainment as well. Oh yeah, yeah, true, true. Lot, lots of, would, yeah, seal, well, we, we'll assume they aren't going to come in of their own volition, it's going to have to be us fucking up to let them in. Yeah, yeah. So, because I mean, yeah, again, as often with all of these hypothetical situations, I'm very, very confident we wouldn't be able to secure the shopping center. We would, we would fall. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have escaped the zombie girl at the beginning of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> like the, the nice music, you know, man comes around would just be me slowly bleeding out on a bedroom floor. That's it. That is how Ian's Dawn of the Dead would go. So, even it didn't if, even, it didn't even get to Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> It was still twilight the previous evening. Yeah, it's Twilight of the Dead. That, that just that sounds more like an autobiography or something, doesn't it? Yeah, or some twilight weird, of the dead. or some weird Ed, Edward Cullen fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Which did you know? Fifty Shades of Grey started out as yeah, Twilight up, fan right? fiction. It, it's it's very weird, but also explains a lot. <laughs> I think I I think we yeah I think we could give it a good go. Again, there's assuming we were able to actually take over a shopping centre. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, we just need someone with a big sporting goods store. Yeah, that's what we met, like, and hilariously named in the US, Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah. Um, Most people have us like Decathlon, which would just help us run away from people. Yeah, although Decathlon, you do have, um, they do have bows and arrows. That probably is our best chance at anything. Okay. Whereas, the thing is, if you, you know, even if you got locked in Walmart in America, you'd be fine because there's literal ammo and guns on yeah. the on the side. Yeah, it's damn Americans. You guys are a zombie apocalypse is going to well and truly fuck us. Farmers are fine. We're we're screwed. So so yeah. So that is my my first film where it doesn't come home. I picked because it doesn't come home twice and everybody dies. And your choice. My first choice. My first choice. Um, we're leaving the zombies behind and we are jetting off like Jeff Bezos into outer space. In his giant cock. Just without his cock rocket. And we are visiting what is without a doubt my favourite Star Wars movie, which is Star Wars Rogue One. Directed by the wonderful Gareth Edwards, who did... Hang on, favourite? Favourite out of all of them? Favourite out of all of them. Star Wars Rogue One is my favourite Star Wars movie. Ah, fair play. I'm not going to argue, it's a very good film. <laughs> Fight me. But yeah, director Gareth Edwards, um, who did 2010's Monsters. Which oh, that's incredible. I think is a really underrated movie. I don't think a lot of people have seen it necessarily. Well, it's a low-budget, slow-burning sci-fi movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. And he, he did the special effects in his bedroom or something? Yeah, something ridiculous yeah. like that. I've 
also have a lot of time for anyone who makes a whole movie to essentially plug a massive plot hole from a previous movie in the series, um, which is essentially what Rogue One is. So Not just that, but plug it with Mads Mikkelsen, right? Yeah, basically. And yeah, speaking of, a really impressive cast. So you have a Felicity Jones, Forrest Whitaker, Mads Mikkelsen, Alan Tudyk, uh, Riz Ahmed, um, to name but a few. Yeah, essentially, so this is set just before A New Hope, and we've got our plucky band of rebels who are basically trying to steal the schematics for the Death Star, which they managed to do and explains away how easy it was for Luke to destroy said Death Star by just, you know, finding the one weak spot on the entire planet? No, 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 because it, it's no moon. That's no moon. <laughs> That's not how it's said, but yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's a star, isn't it? It's Death Star. Just because it's called a star doesn't mean it's a star. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I was trying to, like... the, the oh, Who's the shitty comedian who ate a hamster? What? Freddie Star. Freddie Star ate my hamster. Oh, yeah, that's that famous... Is it Daily Star headline? Uh, or maybe not. Go, go for the other newspaper, which would probably run a headline like that. The Sport. Uh, the Sun. Oh, okay. The Sun, yeah. So The Sun ran a headline calling Freddie Star ate my hamster. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Freddy Star's not a star. It's double R, though, so I've wasted this whole fucking build-up <laughs> to uh, the obvious rebuttal. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a space station. Let's just go with space station. Um, star station, if you want to be uh, pedantic. Okay, and I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it explains away how easy it was for, for Luke to destroy it in episode four. But in doing so, basically every single one of them dies. So they're either killed during the course of the movie and all of the battles, or at the end when Grand Moff Tarkin basically levels the entire Imperial base. So in terms of like, if we're talking about the good guys, the rebels that are trying to, trying to, um, they're just trying to rebel, trying to rebel. Yeah. Leia is the only one who's sort of still standing at the end, which is ironic given it was a very bad CGI Leia as well. Yeah. Although not as bad as the one in episode eight with the floating. Is that episode eight? Yeah, episode eight had the floaty stuff. We will address Last Jedi in length on some future episode. I hope we don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> Rian Johnson's fault, though. And um, we obviously see like Vader and um, Tarkin live to fight another day. The best Vader scene in the entire franchise as well. That's the first time I understood why people were scared of Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weirdly, my nan's always found Darth Vader quite attractive. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Is it the voice? I'm assuming it's James Earl Jones's voice. Okay, yeah. good to know. So she also she digs Mufasa. <laughs> I guess so. I've never asked. Oh, yeah, just when, next next time I'm round, I'll, I'll I'll ask my nan if she Which and I quote <laughs> digs Mufasa. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with digs Mufasa. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, a lot a lot kinder than nan. Would you fuck a lion? <laughs> Because that's not, regardless of the answer, it's not an answer you need to know. <laughs> it's not a question that needs to be asked. I think it is, though. We, I feel like... So, the, yeah, the movie obviously perfectly tees up its direct sort of next chapter in A New Hope. And I think there's even a bit at the end of uh, Rogue One where Leia says when they get the schematics that it gives them hope. It's a classic case of saying the name of the next thing in the thing. Yeah. But, yeah, if we were to look at this on percentages, I would say maybe... 2% of them come home. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and the majority of the ones that come home are the ones who turn up, like, halfway through. Yeah. Of the of the original lads, oh, it's yeah, a pretty all... low 
survivability rate. Yeah, they're they're done, which is a shame because I'd like to like Forrest Whitaker's character is awesome. He turns up a lot in the either Rebels or Clone Wars. He, okay. he apparently uh, uh, he he's a big part of one of the spin-off things. Yeah, I I've always um I started watching them and I kind of I think a lot of people have said that they they really get into a groove like a little bit further on. Yeah. But, like the beginning is quite a slog and there's so many episodes. It, it's yeah, from what I understand it's always enjoyable. But it reaches a point where it's in, like just incredible. Yeah, and I'm I've not been able to persist to that point yet. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I have too much to watch, like re rewatching Ted Lasso for a fourth time. But I, I think we've just entered we've entered a period of time in like entertainment where there is just too much to watch. Like hmm. the the rate that content is coming out is far. Like I think we might have said this before, but you know back in our day where there was only four channels like yeah. it was easy to keep track of everything <laughs> if 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 even to the point where you probably run out of stuff to watch yeah like i i, I wouldn't I, actually no that's not true yeah i it's a difficult one because i don't know where the point was because i think i don't even think it was necessarily is it that more stuff's coming out or we've now got more access to stuff I still haven't watched. I I haven't watched all of the Sopranos yet. Yeah, no, same. Because I I, I know it's what a good fifty seventy hours, um, where I'll have to pay attention to it, and I don't have an awful lot of time to sit and pay attention to something for that amount of time on top of everything else. Yeah, and I also it also needs to be. So the one thing I found with Sopranos again, similar, obviously similar to Star Wars, is that um, lightsabers. Uh, yeah, well, obviously the lightsabers. Yeah. It, the, it didn't grab me straight away from the first episode. The first yeah. episode is quite slow. Whereas something I really... So the one that I really got into and has kind of ruined everything TV show-wise since is, was The Wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it was so good. And I remember... I can't remember... I, I remember trying to watch a series afterwards. I can't remember what it was. And I was just like, what's the point? What's the point anymore of trying? It's yeah, not, yeah, it's not it, The it Wire. It makes everything else seem worse. <laughs> But it's because the, the the Sopranos for me. I don't know if you have the same. I've kind of put it on a pedestal. Yeah. And there's a couple of films on there as well, like IMDb top fucking twenty films that I haven't seen because I keep kind of when I've got the time, it's like oh well no, I feel like I it deserves me to be in mm. like this weird transcendental special place for me to put it on and watch it. I need to savor it. Yeah, it's like I need yeah. I need to know I'm going to appreciate it and then you just never end up actually pulling like, the trigger on. It's it. like when you have like a really fancy bar of chocolate and you just never open it. Yeah, or um expensive beer. Yeah, or expensive. Like it's the bottle that's it's like well I, I know that's going to be nice but I should really save it for a special occasion and then no occasion is special enough. No, apart from I mean the most expensive beer both of us bought was at- Actual oh. shit. I oh, mean the alcoholic soy sauce. Yeah. That was uh was it fifty percent? Was it five five six seven eight? So it was fifty seven point eight percent, I think. Something like that. It yeah. was awful. Yeah, it, it's something to tell the grandkids. Yeah. But I wish we hadn't done that to ourselves. No. We yeah, so we were on like we talked about it before. Uh New Year's Eve, we literally video called each other while we were drinking it. 
just to see. Well, the whole idea was that we were going to have it on New Year's Eve anyway, yeah. but we and then obviously lockdown shit, lockdown shit, yeah. But anyway, um, obviously we got onto um, and talking of percentages, as I said, I think only about two percent of the the good guys are coming home in Rogue One, which is why it is unfortunately a film where it is not coming home. However, I guess the schematics came home, and you know that that helped us win. Oh, true, but also the schematics coming home directly led to Alderaan being destroyed. So that that's that's a couple more. Wouldn't Alderaan so now Leia can never go home? Oh, so you're actually you're so the one that did come home actually can now never go home. Can never yeah. go home. So you've made my choice even stronger. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. <laughs> well, the the choice is strong in this one. Well, my next choice then. We are not coming home via stupid science. So okay. before before I go into my actual choice, I just want to go through a couple of movies which were uh, scientifically scientifically questionable. Can you, sorry, can you say scientifically again? Scientifically questionable. <laughs> so, have you watched The Core? Uh, I haven't, no, but I know the, the general premise is burying into the core of the Earth, right? Yep. So Earth's core has stopped spinning. <laughs> and the way to start it spinning again is using this weird science train, which is also a bomb, to, very American answer, to bomb the core, which will set off some kind of science chain reaction and the core will start spinning again. Right. Because stupid science. Armageddon? Yep. So uh, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. There's a great Ben Affleck comment on the commentary. Uh, which I wouldn't recommend listening to the whole thing. I haven't. Just watched the YouTube clip of Ben Affleck. I'm fairly sure it's just called Ben Affleck Tears Apart Armageddon. Yeah. Where apparently it's easier to train oil drillers to be astronauts than astronauts to be drillers. I mean, it's it's a very, very fair point. And then to go deeper with stupid science, apparently the asteroid that snuck up on us, you could have seen with your naked eye for like months <laughs> before it appeared. So it's not going to just suddenly be that distance away from it. Not a chance. Dara Brian does uh Dara Brian, stupid science, uh does a great stand up bit on how stupid twenty twelve is. So apparently twenty twelve is caused by neutrinos mutating. That right. causes the core of the earth to boil. Okay. And that's not a thing. <laughs> to, to to cool things down from from a boil, uh the day after tomorrow, they manage to outrun cold. I hate that movie so much. Yep. Uh, I'm not even going to go into the details of this. I'm just going to say the title of the film. We are going to pause for a moment and then move on. Okay. Geostorm. I fucking love Geostorm. Geostorm is incredible. <laughs> like, it's going to be a, a League of Good Bad Movies choice at some point, even if I have to fabricate the votes for it. <laughs> it's Geostorm is... Because it, it's the proper Jared Butler thing where they have to have a line of dialogue explaining why him and his brother sound different. <laughs> <laughs> and he's clearly phoning it in. It's oh god, Geostorm. It's and then, great. And then a film that we mentioned last episode, which we recorded in May. Um uh, Volcano. Yep. Where a volcano sneaks up on the city of Los Angeles. As we said, stealthy volcanoes, man. So uh But we are we are not we we are not gonna be covering these. We are going to the sun. To, to read about Freddy Star eating a hamster. Yeah, yeah. And that hamster did not come home. <laughs> so we are going to... So, in 2057, the sun is dying. 
and the earth is freezing, and the best way to reignite it is to jumpstart it with a massive fuck-off bomb the size of Manhattan, because science. So this is uh, 2007's Sunshine, the Danny Boyle movie, right? which a lot of reviews refer to it as two-thirds of a masterpiece. Okay. Because the opening two-thirds are phenomenal, and then it goes a bit... It basically turns into a slasher movie towards the end. Interesting. And people don't like that, apparently. I thought it was great. I love Sunshine. It's legitimately a brilliant movie. It's interesting when... I know this is probably... I think we've already talked about doing this as a different episode, but like films that take a massive left turn at some yeah. point. Yeah, so um, it, it's... Sorry to bother you being the, the biggest oh, yeah. example of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we're not going to keep horsing around. We're going to get back to Sunshine. Nice. That's a joke. Very few people will understand... So I, 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 I love this film, but to really kind of hammer home the stupid science. So the science advisor on this was Dr. Brian Cox. Right. So apparently Danny Boyle phoned him and was just like, we've got a film and this is what happens. Can you think of any way in which that might actually occur? <laughs> and his first reaction was, well, no. It's going to die in five billion years and that's it. And he had to ask his colleagues at CERN whether they could figure out a way where this might actually be a thing. And in his eyes, they never explain it in the film. I think they just wanted a line to be able to kind of fall back on. Right. Uh, it's some um, undiscovered, it's like a cue ball, which is a super symmetrical particle from the Big Bang or something like that. And it's basically eating away the center of the sun. So the bomb is destroying that rather than you're just bombing the problem. Do you know what I bloody hate when stuff is far too super symmetrical? Yeah, I, I again, it's uh, I'm I'm not a physicist, so I don't have to understand any of that stuff. But surely supersymmetry is a good thing. <laughs> You'd think so. <laughs> You'd get a lot of uh, a lot of swipes on Tinder if your face was super symmetrical. It's not called shitty symmetry. No, away from things we don't understand. So Sunshine, yeah, so like I said, Sunshine's a brilliant film. It's Danny Boyle. The cast has so Killian Murphy, Chris Evans, Rose Byrne. It's a movie, so Mark Strong is obviously in it. <laughs> Hiroyuki Sanada. So he's a Japanese actor right. who is really good in basically everything he does. And he was cast in Endgame, and I was really, really happy about it because it seemed, it was rumoured he was going to be setting up a recurring character further down the line. Yeah. But he wasn't. Hawkeye killed him within like 90 seconds. I do always wonder about, um, I think I might have said this to you before, but like actors who, probably not so much now with like the now Marvel's at where it's at, but like the early days of Marvel who like took on minor roles and how much they regret like the fact that they w didn't take up, I don't know, like a superhero with like within the Eternals or something that's going to get yeah. them like movie after movie after movie. Well, I mean, the, 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 biggest, the, the biggest actor I can think of is. Uh, well, Jeff Bridges. They they used Jeff Bridges very early in the series. Who's you know I, I could see him being an incredible kind of recurring role. Yeah, yeah. He was in it was two. I'm on two. One one. He uh, so Mickey Rourke. Well, uh, Sam Rockwell is another one as well. Sam Rockwell is one. So yeah, Sam yeah. Rockwell was not only used really early in the MCU, but he was used in a shit film. Yeah, I, I on reflection, I still liked it. Like rewatching it. Oh yeah, but I I, I there there isn't a Marvel film I don't enjoy rewatching. No, true. But, yeah, I mean, you know who I'm glad did did hold out and didn't take a role until very recently? Uh, who would that be? Uh, that would be uh, the alligator in Loki. Oh, God. 
<laughs> I was close to talking about, so uh, to go back to my previous choice, there is a Lacoste in Westfield. Yeah. And there is an, I think we basically sent it to each other. There is now a, yeah. a fake Lacoste polo shirt, which is Alligator Loki, which, oh God, yeah. Alligator Loki is one of my favorite things in the MCU. It's great. Have you seen the, uh, have you seen the uh, green screen, like behind the scenes? Yes. Thing? Well, it's just, it's just the kid holding, like, a blue stuffed alligator yeah. for the whole time. Well, you know who might be coming to the MCU now? No. Podcast favourite, Mr. Henry Cavill. Oh, yes. Has I do met with Disney executives. Because I sent it to you. <laughs> yes, a lot of people sent it to me, because in the early days of this podcast, I would talk about, talk quite, quite at length and vividly about all of the things I would let Henry Cavill do to me. I would, I would use the term graphically. Graphically. So, yeah, sunshine. So... The idea of Sunshine is you, there's all these scientists on a ship called the Icarus 2, which, and they can't do an Icarus 3 because they've used up, like, basically all of Earth's, like, uranium and shit like that to yeah. build these giant bombs. So it's the, it is the last hope of the planet. And the reason it's the Icarus 2 is there was an Icarus 1 that got kind of, they lost contact with it on the way to the sun, which is a difficult way to get lost because there was a fairly hefty landmark that you're heading in the right direction. Um, so Also, it seems like a really bad idea calling it the Icarus, given what happened to Icarus yeah. when he got close to the sun. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, Icarus 1 is... So Mark Strong was the captain of that ship, so that's how he turns up. Right. Um, so the crew of the Icarus 1 are fucked, so they're not coming home. And then the Icarus 2 continue on their journey which doesn't end particularly well for anyone. So I, I won't I won't go into details, but it is quite famously a film where not a lot of people survive. <laughs> the way I can sum this up is I don't know what the opposite of coming home is, but I think at least one of the options is being shot into the fucking sun. So, sunshine. I mean, given that, you could have gone with uh, Zod and the magic buck bugs. And, um... Oh, that was more the Phantom Zone, and they do end up escaping from the Phantom Zone, and I would argue that's them coming home. Okay. But it depends what your definition of home is. Should we cover that? Should we just start from scratch? <laughs> what is home? It's kind of, it's, I feel like it's, uh, yeah, it's like when you're writing a, a university essay, you need to lay out the kind of, your, your guiding yeah. principles at the, at the top, yeah. and um Speak. Yeah, we failed to do that. I'm sorry, listeners. We we have we're not getting a first this week. Speaking speaking as a man who's currently living in his friend's spare room. <laughs> what is home? <laughs> it's a fluid concept, but what it isn't is being shot into the sun. No, this is true. It's a stupid idea. Lots of problems with it. Just like the problems with VAR. It's the idiots behind the technology. They can't even draw a straight line at times. Non-footballing people making the rules. Shambles. Who, who is not coming home this time? My second choice is a film where the list of people not coming home is fairly lengthy. And we'll get on to why in a moment. But the film itself is a film that I believe we've touched on before. I can't remember which episode, but I'm pretty sure we uh, have spoken about it at length. And it is, I would say, without a doubt, one of the best movies ever made. It is definitely in the top three comedies of all time i am of course talking about dr strange love dr strange love is uh stanley kubrick um it is his uh nuclear war satire um movie presidents we would vote for episode six there we go the uh 
How have we only talked about... My voice broke then. <laughs> that was how shocking. How have we only talked about Doctor Strange 1? <laughs> Sorry. Doctor Strange Love. I'm going to go back in there. Yeah, how have, how have we only talked about... I'm not even putting that one on. How have we only talked about Doctor Strange yeah, Love once? I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite surprised. But yeah. yeah. Given how often I've talked about fucking Zack Schneider's Justice League. <laughs> yeah, as I say, one, one of the best movies I've made. And the it's kind of hard to overstate how important a film it was as well because like based on the what happened in the movie in terms of the satire and you know we'll go on to talk about what happened at the end of the film like governments changed their approach to nuclear deterrence yeah based on the fact that they didn't want this to happen it is it is so good and not to hark back to other previous episodes but it didn't win, win a single oscar which is a fucking joke yeah, fuck that. Uh, was it Shakespeare in Love again? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, Shakespeare in Love time-traveled. Yeah, um, that's exactly what that prick would do. <laughs> and again, I must have said it on the President's episode, but gentlemen, there will be no fighting in the war room is one of my favourite lines in cinema ever. So, yeah, obviously, none of the characters are at home. They're at war. It's taking the fictitious direction of the uh, the Cold War and how Doctor Strange Love would uh, how the movie Doctor Strange Love sort of plays out in uh, in a world where the the Cold War was slightly warmer. It's it's kind of hard to overstate it, but absolutely no one comes home because the American nuke sets off the Russian doomsday machine and incinerates the entire planet. Meaning not only don't none of our main characters come home, but no one who wasn't at home during the setting off of the doomsday machine is able to come home. So I guess what you're saying is nobody who was currently not at home... Yeah, came home. Came home. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was saying. So it, it in the grand scheme of things... Yeah. ...is from people to football. <laughs> <laughs> Did not come home. No. Um, on, on a scale into the billions. <laughs> it is total destruction. How many people at any one time do you think aren't home? I don't know. Again, it's hard to quantify because if we're talking about, I mean, are you currently home? What is home? <laughs> I yeah. would say there's got to be a fairly high proportion. I guess in some instances, like if, if you're looking at a period of time, I don't know, let's say 7 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah. There's in that. So let's say 7 p.m. in London on a Friday. That's probably like when most people aren't home or maybe during the week actually when you're working yeah. let's say that that's when most people aren't home but then if you go to other time zones yeah people would be in bed so they would be home so you'd have to find the approximate like right time when the least amount of people yeah. are home so if uh, you want to figure this out uh please send your answers on a stamped address envelope to graham's house <laughs> I would actually love to see we'll, we'll we'll drop the social media stuff at the end if you can if you can give us workings out and estimate what time how many people aren't at home and what time is like the peak time for the least amount of people being home across the globe i will i will send you a copy of dr strange love and we follow through on these things because uh, we uh, follow through on the midsummer giveaway the director's cut blu-ray found its way to the first person who tweeted us saying that they wanted a copy of the film show me your workings out get a copy of dr strange love if we're talking about how many people came home, again, 
going back to the percentages, 0%. And then also 0% of all humanity. Literally no one. Football does have more chance of coming home than the cast of Doctor Strange Love. Oh, true. I mean, it, it, it's just on top of our how many people aren't at home at any given point. How many of those people are also played by Peter Sellers? <laughs> that's, that's the, that really is the key, because Eddie Murphy's got a couple of them covered. <laughs> this is so very true. Peter Sellers. Kristen Wiig is a few. Yeah. Can't think of any other actors who are famous for playing multiple roles in films. Um, Peter Sellers is so fucking good in Doctor Strangelove. Nicolas Cage in Adaptation. Oh, true, true, yeah. Which uh, we've talked, yep, we've, we've talked at length about before. Yep. We'll talk at length about again. Nicolas Cage would have survived. He would have found a way. He would have got, he, he would have sensed it and got, I'm assuming he owns a mine shaft somewhere. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Something, it's funny you mentioned Peter Sellers because my next point was something that did come home was a lot of money to Peter Sellers. So he netted $1 million for his role in the movie, which was 55% of the entire budget of Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> no wonder they got him to play as three people. Well, Kubrick said he got something, I can't remember the exact quote, but something like he got six for the price of three or something, something yeah. ridiculous. Because he was meant to play four roles, wasn't he? And then one didn't happen. I think he was supposed to play someone else and they may have just cast someone else or they cut it out. I can't yeah. remember which one it is. But yeah, there was definitely someone else he was supposed to be. Yeah. But I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, like, to, I, like, I like to think they had cast him as three. Like, what do you think came first? Casting him in multiple characters or paying him 55% of the movie's budget? Because <laughs> have you heard the Jack Nicholson one? No. So uh, Jack Nicholson was in Mars Attacks. Yeah. And the studio, his character was going to be killed off. And the studio apparently told Tim Burton, you can't kill Jack Nicholson off. He's too big a movie star. So Tim Burton wrote another role for Jack Nicholson to play as well and killed them both. <laughs> and I like the idea that the only reason there were multiple characters was because of that thing that had happened before. And I just wonder if it's the same with, if we're paying him, was it a, a million? A million dollars. Yeah, yeah. a million dollars. In 1960, which I assume they said. Which, in 2020, thanks to inflation, is going to be so much more. Yeah, I, I, I like to think it was if, you're going to, if we're going to pay him this much money, we're getting more than one performance out of it. I think that probably came into it. So it would be $9.18 million today, which is not, I guess, crazy. Um, oh, no, but, but when you talk about it, the percentage of the film is still... Yeah, 55% yeah, of the budget is, is ridiculous. So yeah, I'm, as I say, Doctor Strange Love. It isn't coming home, they aren't coming home, and none of us are coming home because despite Merkin Muffley's best attempts to call back the nuclear strike, um, oh, that phone call with Dimitri is just great, isn't it? Now, Dimitri... <laughs> the, the, the final um, bomb, unfortunately, does get dropped and sets off the Russian doomsday machine, um, and everyone and everything is incinerated including England's chances at another triumph at a world tournament. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't remember who the other Peter Sellers character was, or name was. It, it, Lionel Mandrake. <laughs> the General General Buck Turgidson. Yeah, Turgidson's probably the best. Brigadier General ones. Jack D. Ripper. Colonel Bakwano. Oh, no, it is. Uh, Columbia Pictures agreed to finance the film if Peter Sellers played at least four major roles. <laughs> Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, so he was originally gonna. He couldn't do a Texas accent, apparently. So he was gonna play um, the 
B-52 pilot. Yes, you're right. I, I think we spoke about this on the, um, on the other episode. Ah, no, so he, could, he ended up not... He somehow learned how to do a Texas accent. I say somehow, he's an actor, it's kind of his job. Um, <laughs> he sprained his ankle so he couldn't work in the cramped cockpit. But yeah, no, no one's coming home. Uh, not even you. Final choice, then. Final choice. Where it is also not coming home. Though technically, at one point in this film, there is a, a modicum of coming home. But nice, we'll nice, get, nice we'll words. We'll get to that. Nice one. I like that. Okay, so. Someone, someone's been reading the thesaurus. Helps me, helps me uh, drop off at night. My choice, then, is 2009's Triangle. So, Triangle is directed by Christopher Smith, who film or who directed so creep not that one the other one which is based in like the london underground oh yeah, yeah um severance which we talked about earlier which is like a crazy underrated film with danny dyer toby stevens and like tim mcneary darling from black Adam, uh, and the banishing which came out last year which is supposed to be great but i haven't actually watched it so triangle follows single mother jess who goes on a boating trip with several friends uh, they are forced to abandon the ship and board a derelict ocean liner called the Alias, which, to continue our theme of ships named after Greek mythology, which apparently doesn't end well for anybody involved. So the guy whose name I'm butchering is the one who had to like forever push a rock up a hill, basically. Right. And she becomes convinced that on the ship, someone is stalking them. So I am going to have to, unfortunately talk through the entire plot of Triangle to explain why I've picked this. Okay. So if you haven't watched it, I would recommend watching it. Okay, awesome. can, you, can you give me an hour and a half then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so skip, skip forward 10 minutes or so, or just listen, because in the end it came out 12 years ago. It is a very good film. You're still going to enjoy it if you watch it, but it's, it's, up to, it's up to you. You have been warned. So, brief pause for people to decide what they want to do. While we're in there, we'll just talk about football a bit more. What's your What's your thoughts on VAR? So, I don't. Th- I think v- the technology is not the problem in VAR. It's actually the rules that they are using to uh, using VAR to scrutinise. The offside rule has got silly, and the the handball rule is ridiculous. Well, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It, it, it's the, the problem with VAR is the idiots behind the technology can't even draw the line straight at times. It's non-footballing people making the rules shambles. Anyway, back into back hoping, into triangle. I was hoping we were going to talk about some more shapes. Yeah, uh, what, what's your favourite shape? I like a dodecahedron. Ah, oh, dodecahedron, nice. I'm a. I do like a good rhombus. Do you know what? No word of a lie. I was going to say you were going to say rhombus. It's just a great word. You just look like a rhombus. rhombus. I look like a rhombus. <laughs> you look like a rhombus guy. Oh, it's good. You just look like a circle. <laughs> like when, um, or a sphere, like in Hook, when the kid rolls down the, the gangway. Oh, I thought you meant the, uh, the Netflix film starring uh, Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. Uh, no, no, I was actually talking about the circle, the weird dating show set in a block of flats. It's not dating, but yeah. Ah. Oh shit, I just realised we can watch Sexy Beasts tonight. Yes, we can! <laughs> the uh, takeaway in Sexy Beasts is the best Thursday night ever. Yeah, the, the weird dating show, not the also incredible Ben Kingsley gangster movie. <laughs> so, we done with shapes, squares, yep. cuboids, yep. quadrilaterals. Yes. Um, okay, so, spoilers straight off the bat. 
uh, turns out Jess in this movie is a piece of shit and she is stuck in a time loop. So there are at least three different versions of Jess on this ship at any given time. Jeez. And I love a, I love a time loop, me. I don't know what it is about the mechanic, but it's just great. I really enjoy it in any form it's in. So obviously like Groundhog Day, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You, which is one of the best named films ever made. Very, very good. And also has a very good Lizzo cover part of the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, staying alive, right? Yeah. Staying alive. Uh, there's a brilliant uh, Supernatural episode, which is around time loops, Edge of Tomorrow, The Endless, Palm Springs. is brilliant. Would you say loop is a time, time loop? I suppose it's uh, not really. It's kind of, it is, but you don't necessarily experience it. It's, right? it's, it is, but it's not in the, it's more, I'd say that's more cyclical rather than an act, because he's not stuck in the loop. It's just, it comes back round. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, great, great movie. Yeah, okay. So, how would I mean? Obvious question here. Before I properly dissect the plot, which literally has me having to number characters, <laughs> um, how would you use a time loop? And what kind of time loop are you? Do, do you just want the twenty-four hours? Do you want the like? Is it when you when you when you die, you just snap back? Like how are we? Yeah, I think I'd I'd probably Palm Springs it. No. Yeah, just you know, fuck off, J.K. Simmons. I will. I will watch anything J.K. Simmons is in, even if it is apparently your sex tape with him. <laughs> no, I said fuck off, not fuck. Oh J. yeah, K. but Simmons. but I edit the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> so I can make you say this. Yeah, just you know, fuck J.K. Simmons. There we go. Oh, I hate you. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because Palm Springs is whenever he falls asleep or dies or dies. Yeah, yeah, because then you're not because the only problem with Groundhog Day is obviously the time. Yeah, and so also, I, like, I like I like to think with a bit of caffeine, I could eke out a bit more time. You'd also have to listen to that fucking song every morning as well. That used to be my alarm, <laughs> of course, because of course it was. <laughs> yeah, how would you would you would you just eat everything? Would you learn something? I don't know if I. Do you know what? I don't know if I bother learning anything. Maybe I'd get around to it. If I I play, there's a lot of video games I play. Although, do your saves stay? So I'd I'd only play. Old retro video games where your save yeah, the passcode. is a passcode yeah. because then I could get through them. So I would play vid- old retro video games or, or games you can complete in like twelve hours. Yeah, if I'm being brutally honest, sure, hedonism. Yeah, hedonism. Finally, getting through the Sopranos. Yeah, and fucking J.K. Simmons apparently. Yeah, <laughs> which you know, if nothing else, is the definition of hedonism. Yeah, you could. You could do, like, to be fair, you could do a lot worse than J.K. Simmons. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy, financially secure. <laughs> Great with a bow and arrow. Yeah, we could get him on the podcast. Good times. Okay, so, right. Ready to be bored? I'm about to explain the plot of Triangle to you. <laughs> so, I say that. It, it, it's not boring. It is a very good film. So, Jess 1 goes off sailing with a group of friends. The yacht gets stuck in a storm and they board a mysterious ship where she finds her own keys. So she is attacked and accidentally kills Victor 1, who's her friend that came with her, and a masked killer starts killing off all of her friends. So Jess 1 forces the masked killer into the sea, and then a new boat arrives with Group 2 on, which is Jess 2, Victor 2, and all of their friends again. Right. So they, yeah. Jess 1 then drops her keys. Okay. So then Jess 2 finds them. Uh, Jess 1 is then seen, and Victor 2, she, something... There is a head impalement incident, and she discovers a room that says, kill everyone who boards. Other shit then happens. 
more people suddenly die. She injures this masked shooter who then falls off of the ship. Okay. After the masked shooter falls off the ship, another boat arrives. And it's Jess and her friends again. So that's group three arrives. So there are now three Jesses on board the ship. Okay. Jess one surmises that the loop will continue until everyone is killed. So she's desperate to basically return to her son. So she cleans up all of the corpses, puts on the mask, becomes the killer, writes kind of the kill everyone who boards message. Uh, Turns out she was the bad guy the whole time. And then she gets pushed in the sea just like the old one did. Okay. So it's basically that the time loop there is is kind of in threes. So each Jess is getting pushed down or pushed up the hierarchy, basically. So while Jess 1 is the killer, Jess 2 is finding all that out kind of thing. She's forced into the sea and she basically washes up on the beach. And she goes home and she sees herself acting abusive to her son. So her son's autistic. She doesn't like this, so she kills this Jess, who we shall dub Jess Zero, and then there's a car accident and her son dies. Before the car accident, she either like runs over or there's an injured seagull. Right. Is it, is it the same seagull from the lighthouse? I'm not sure if it's the same actor, no. I think, I'm, I think I've got a perfect record of mentioning seagulls and bringing it back to the lighthouse. And I, I, want I, to continue. I think so, but I, I, it might be the seagull from The Shallows. No, we were, yeah, but we already checked if the seagull from the shallows was the seagull from the lighthouse. Oh, true, yeah. I think they were cousins. Possibly. I'm not sure. It's anyway. Just, it's nepotism, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> seagull nepotism. Yeah. The worst kind. Those bloody and, seabirds. Uh, to, to keep on a running catchphrase, great band name. <laughs> so basically, she uh, Mercy kills the seagull and throws it over a wall, and she discovers a fuck ton of seagulls there. So it turns out she's still in the loop. Right, okay. So because, and then her son dies and she decides to go to the dock and board the ship. Okay. So it's a loop within a loop within, yeah. It's a lot of loops, basically. And she is stuck in it just constantly. What's the um, Y triangle? Is it Bermuda Triangle? Uh, so uh, there's a, a couple of things you could kind of interpret to. So it could be Bermuda Triangle related. It could be that there are three Jesses on the ship at any given time. There's kind of a love triangle in it as well. There is a great diagram that sums up, because it's the kind of film that needs a diagram, which yeah. is obviously done in the form of a triangle. But are you ready for this? Because I went off on one. I'm just going to read verbatim what I wrote, because I kind of phased out. Okay. So she constantly thinks she can break the loop. That it will be different this time, but it is not. It's the same every time. Whenever there's hope, it is taken away from them. There is no hope. Only loop. It's the same. Semi-final is different this time. Penalties, different this time. Finals, different this time. It's an endless loop of futility, but deep down we know it's the hope that is going to kill us, really. But maybe it's different next time. A parade of blank faces, endlessly going around, only to lose again. But maybe next time it's different. But it's not. There is only loop. (laughs) Um, I then wrote uh, a bit about um, the 2011 Sam Warburton red card, but we won't go into that because this is a football episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so she is convinced that she can change things. Right. That it will be different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> does, does she sing a hopeful song <laughs> yeah. with two two beloved comedians from the 90s? Yeah, and then re- she re-releases it a loop later. Yeah. <laughs> um, Impressive football knowledge there. I'm impressed there. No, no, it's because uh, David Baddiel was on the Richard Herring podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I listened to yesterday. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I mean that not only is she not coming home, but you also have the level that every loop she thinks she's going to be able to break out of it and it's going to be different this time, but it's clearly not. It's just going round and round and round in circles and it's the same, always the same. <laughs> and for me, there's, again, not, not to, let, let, let's briefly divert from football as a sport. I am a Minnesota Vikings fan. Yeah, and I am a Welsh rugby fan. Um, this speaks to me. <laughs> this this speaks to me on a on a level I am not comfortable with, because every time, and I I uh, so I was I was actually moving in to Graham's with my partner when the just before the penalty shootout. So I know you feel the same way. I got to see that all unfold. Every yeah, every time I think it's going to be different, and just as you start believing, when there's like a little inkling of oh, this is this is it, we've that's, broken out of out of the the loop, then it doesn't happen, and you realise life is pain. Question: Would you sacrifice infinite seagulls to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl? Do I personally have to sacrifice? Yeah, you have okay, to, you have to sacrifice. You have to, and like with your bare hands, you need to see the life drain from their eyes. Okay, so not an not an infinite number because that sounds like some kind of shitty genie wish. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, well, I said infinite, so you're just going to be here until you die. Okay, if you, if you can give me a number, I would. All right, or, or, let, let, let's let's change this question, shall we? How many seagulls would I kill with my bare hands to be able to watch the Vikings win the Super Bowl? Um, too many. I'm I'm not 100 sure I'm comfortable answering. Sure. Let's let's hang on. Let, let's figure this out. Okay, okay. So I've got my stopwatch. Start. One and a half seconds. So I think I could comfortably kill a seagull every one and a half seconds. <laughs> so how many seconds? You've got to catch it? the seagull as well. Oh, I thought they were lined up. Well, yeah. So, no, no, so, so am I am I a seagull murderer or am I a seagull hunter? Like, do I have to go out there hunting and catching seagulls? <laughs> okay. Or are they just supplied to me in they're, a pack? They're supplied to you. But when I say you have to catch it, it's not like it's not like it's placed in it's not on a conveyor belt where it's you know, we're not we're not drugging the seagulls. You have to at least kind of Okay. Okay, all right, all right, yeah. So no no, so they'll be like wings tied. But they're they're conscious. <laughs> okay, so in twelve hours there are forty three thousand two hundred seconds. Forty three thousand. Here goes here goes any uh, Peter sponsorship we might have been thinking about. Okay, so with a, oh, I, I didn't factor in arrest. Arrest? Oh yeah, you may get arrested actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so if I was to do uh, eighty-six thousand four hundred, <laughs> <laughs> that's at my at my approximate seagull killing rate. Yeah, that would be three days of twelve-hour shifts. <laughs> So I could, I feel like I could be able to get through it. Maybe, maybe, maybe over the course of a week. Okay, so that's that's thirty six hours at a constant pace of a seagull every one and a half seconds. Jeez. Again, we're 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 currently recording. Usually, when I'm asked how many seagulls I'm willing to kill for a certain thing, I would take an average of how how quickly I think I could twist the neck motion. But yeah, so eighty thousand. 80,000. Okay. So interestingly, I was the number I was going to pick was 75,000. So you've you've surpassed that. So I think 
Ladies and gentlemen, if the Vikings win the Super Bowl this year, <laughs> you know what Ian's been up to. Right. How many seagulls in London? But are they, technically, are they seagulls in London? I think they're probably just gulls, because there's no oh, sea. true. How many seagulls? <laughs> oh, apparently there's only 2,000 seagulls in the UK. What? That doesn't sound right. No. Also, I'm not Googling where do seagulls die. Apparently the answer to that is Ian's. How many seagulls did it take to lift the peach? Why are we seeing so many seagulls? Can you eat seagulls? I mean, that's, that's, that's probably a good, uh, a good thing to know after you've murdered 80,000 of them. Whether, yeah, or not, yeah. um, whether or not we could, you know, at least donate the uh, carcasses to... Uh, On a future episode, I'll figure out how much fridge space that will, or freezer space that would take. But I think I'll need a couple of cabinets. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a fun tangent. But yeah, so for me, triangle... Again, it's not only is she not coming home, but she is stuck in an endless loop of not coming home every time thinking it's going to be different this time. And that is the very essence of it's not coming home. Because in a year, you're going to be convinced it's coming home again. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, no, I'll start off the tournament. I'll be like, I don't know, I'm kind of of done with international football. And then we'll win. And we're like, oh, well, this is this is fun again. And then we'll get out of the group stages, and then yeah, it's coming home, hundred percent coming home. And then there'll be penalties, and then there'll be heartbreak, and then we'll do this episode again. And then I'll have to kill more seagulls. <laughs> and on that gully note, yes. What's your final choice? My final choice. Um... That went weird. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, yes, your your final choice. My Does fa- it involve seagulls? My final choice, to my knowledge, there are no seagulls. No seagulls were harmed in the making of this movie, and I don't believe there are any seagulls that um, that even made a, even a cameo appearance. But I was about to say I am of course talking about, but that doesn't give anything away. <laughs> I'm talking about a film which is actually interestingly is based or not based on, but uh, its major cinematic influences are two other films where the Basically, the entire cast doesn't come home. But I'm going to go with um, 2015's The Hateful Eight. Nice. Um, so it's Tarantino's, well, guess his, it was his second Western in succession, right? Because he did Django and then he did this. Yeah. And it's it's a hyper-violent take on the genre, which I guess is very, well, so he, he he's come out and said that this this film is influenced by two movies. Lesser so, but still Reservoir Dogs, which obviously a film that he made. But then more so, he the, he got the idea for The Hateful Eight after watching The Thing. Okay. So The Thing, which obviously we need to mention because it's the podcast. It's, it's The Thing, yeah. He basically said that watching The Thing, that The Hateful Eight is his representation of how he felt watching The Thing. And for all of the actors that were in the movie, his only like direction for them in terms of research was watch The Thing. That's quite. Um, I didn't know that. Which and it it, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> even to Kurt Russell. Yeah, even to Kurt Russell. Yeah. Kurt Russell. I don't know if you've heard of this film called. <laughs> it, that's the test to see if he's actually still the thing. <laughs> well, as as we've as we've previously spoken about, all of these things could be the thing. Everything is thing. Everything you know what else could be thing? thing? The uh, just did a bit of maths. The thirty-seven point three tons of seagull. <laughs> Thirty-seven point three tons. Yeah. To be fair, that would be the like I could see the thing embodying like 
37, was it 37? 33. 37.3. 37.3 tons of seagull, like, all kind of thinged together yeah. in a squawking, Why? amorphous uh, Just block. as Kirk Cousins throws the... Uh... <laughs> Seagulls on the menu tonight, boys. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in it's, as I say, very similar to Reservoir Dogs. Um, it's swapping the abandoned warehouse for a hunting shack in the middle of a blizzard. And we follow sort of, it really is like the biggest bunch of misfits and miscreants the Wild West has to offer. Certainly not the type of people that you want to be locked up with during a blizzard. Um, you've got bounty hunters, criminals, hangmen, Confederate generals, cowboys, as in literal cowboys, not like Dak Prescott and co. Really, the entirety of the movie is basically one long Mexican standoff with multiple people getting shot and or poisoned by coffee. And it's very similar to the thing in the sense of like, it obviously, well, in this universe, maybe the thing does exist, but it's very similar to the thing in the sense that there is a a lot of it's built around the suspicion of who is like the real bad guy in the yeah. group, which is his again his sort of take on it. But yeah, everyone dies. Every single person, all of the hateful eight, dead in one way or another. Mostly by being shot. I think Tim Roth. I think it's Tim Roth's character gets shot in the balls, which IMDb kindly pointed out to me was the fourth Tarantino movie where someone gets shot in the genitals um, and the third in a row. The third in a row. <laughs> so uh, death proof? I he didn't list them out, but well, I'm guessing, so Django we'll Jan- before we Django. And then before that... Death proof, isn't it? Inglorious Bastards. Yes. It is Nazi balls. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah, again, how many come home? Zero percent. They are all dead in one way or another. It is impressive. I always find it impressive when like, there's not at least one person left over. Like They managed to all kill each other. We read some very depressing articles researching this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just sit, sitting on the sofa, turn around, and Graham's laptop was just open to films where they all die. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the exact one was... 16 films where basically everyone dies. Yeah, including a bathtub favourite, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> but I couldn't do that because they had come home. Technically. Yeah. And plus we'd have never got the seagull math and that's not, that's not yeah, a, yeah. a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, People come for the movies, they stay for the exact weight of seagulls Ian would win for sporting victory. I'm glad he didn't ask the Welsh rugby one because that would have, I, I don't know <laughs> if I'm comfortable thinking about that. That's a lot of dead seagulls. As soon as you, as soon as you start having to say the weight, that's, that's when you know you have issues. That's when it really brings it home. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically. Ironically enough. Um, so the hateful eights. The hateful way, yeah. Um, so also a side note here that I just want to point out: Jennifer Jason Lee is fucking fantastic. I think she's a really underrated actress. She's very, very good in the hateful eight. She's very, very good in um, Atypical on Netflix. I don't know oh yeah, you, I, I um, know of it, but I haven't watched it. Probably one of my favorite shows Netflix has ever produced. It's oh wow, really, really good, really good take on living with autism, all of the kind of things that come along with that, and it's just a really, really great show. They just uh, they just aired the final season now. Um, which I'm about uh, quarter of the way through. Yeah, as I mentioned, the thing, because obviously not only is it a very similar story, but you've got, as you mentioned, Kurt Russell in it. And Crazy Handlebars? Sorry? 
Is is it sideburns or handlebars he's got? I just remember a very impressive facial hair. And- uh, sideburns, yeah. Sideburns. Yeah. Also, fun fact, the film's cast, so half of the 848 been in the MCU. Okay, okay. so uh, so Samuel Jackson, obviously. Yep. Kurt Russell, obviously. Yep. Uh, Tim Roth is Abomination. Yep. Uh, the character, not not that's not an attack on Tim oh, yeah. Roth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of who else was in it. So am, am I one short? You're you're one one short. Yeah, you're one you're one seagull short of a Super Bowl. Um, no, I don't know. Uh, Walton Goggins. Uh, oh, was he? Who was he? Where, where was it? Oh, um, Ant Man. Yeah, he's the bad yeah. guy in Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, I do like Walton Goggins. Yeah. Walton? Walton. Wal- Walton. Walton Goggins, which is an excellent name. It sounds it sounds sort of 1600s, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Channing Tatum's in it? Yeah, Channing Tatum's in it. Channing Tatum hasn't been in the MCU? Mm, that feels... No. He, he feels very MCU-y, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he feels like he should be um, uh, like in a Taika Waititi, James Gunn MCU. Yeah. Because he's got the comedy chops. I well, think. he was tied to the Gambit movie for a very long time. Oh, Gambit. Are we going to revisit Gambit yeah. again? <laughs> you, you know who would benefit from a Quentin Tarantino film? Go on. Dave Bautista. Oh. Dave Bautista in a Tarantino film. Dave Bautista gets in the final Tarantino movie. Good times. Oh, The Hateful Eight. All three hours of it. It's very good. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't watched it because I can't bring myself to watch a three-hour Western. It is good. It is very good. It, especially when you think, when you watch it in the context of, like, you know, The Thing and the and Reservoir Dogs and, like, that. It, it's, it's, it's Tarantino very, being very Tarantino-y. Well, I guess um, it's basically a play. Yeah, I mean, there was the whole thing with like the um, the leaked script and and Tarantino having a bit of a hissy fit over that, and then they did it as a uh, reading. I think it was a one off. Um, I cannot imagine how much the tickets were for it. I think it was at a theater in Los Angeles, and then basically because it went over so well, Samuel Jackson convinced him to stop being a little bitch and make it into a movie, which yeah, they eventually did. I don't think it's one of his best. But it's still a very good film. Um, so yeah, I would say you should watch it. Uh, I, I like Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker, but he seems like such a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> he did have. Did you see recently? He had the sort of the best response to. He was asked about what he thought about Tenet. No. And his response was, "I think I need to see it again." <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> which fair. kind of sums it up. So the the other thing that is quite interesting about this film, which again is completely off off topic. Is that uh, it was it was filmed in Panavision Ultra Panavision seventy, which was the first time any movie has been filmed using this technique uh, since the sixties, <laughs> because obviously, and he used the same lenses that they used to film the uh, the chariot race from um, Ben Hur. Well, they did the same with the, again to everything's about seagulls. <laughs> The, the the lighthouse did similar. They used like old style lenses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That what what I I'm I'm because I don't want to be a hypocrite any more than I already am, because I'm very aware the backlash Zack Schneider had for using his own aspect ratio. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see the people who thought that was a dick move what they think when Tarantino does something weird like that. Yeah, because I bet they all think he's a genius, <laughs> but old Zacky boy isn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Um, I haven't got an issue. I, I don't mind different... Uh... Sorry, a bit of a delay there. Me catching myself saying Zacky boy. Zacky boy. Fucking hell. I don't, I don't mind a, an 
off-kilter ratio. Um, you know, like your off-kilter ratio of morality to seagull deaths. Oh, seagulls don't have souls. <laughs> um, that's that's the hill I'm choosing to die on today. Yeah, seagulls don't have souls. Is it the same hill that uh, eighty thousand seagulls are dying on as well? Oh no no no! That is the hill. <laughs> the it's hill a lot. Seagulls. It's a lot of seagulls. Where else am I going to put them? But yeah. Anyway, um, hateful eight. Um, there's there's eight of them. They're hateful and they all die. No one's coming home. Okay. So those were. Our choices of movies where it isn't coming home. Out of your three, yep. who is, is how, how are you measuring it? Are you measuring it on the, the, how just how much you liked the film, or are you going to measure it on the portion of coming homeness? Yeah, it's we're going to have a coming home scale. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm I'm going on the percentages of of coming home. Yeah. So I would say in third place it would have to be Rogue One because Leia does kind of come home, but then obviously her home goes away. <laughs> <laughs> but yep. um, that doesn't happen until the next movie. So it, if we're in the context of Rogue One, I'd say about 2% of the good guys come home. In second place, it's going to have to be The Hateful Eight because 0% of yep. the cast comes home. And then in first place, Doctor Strange Love, because not only does 0% of the cast come home, but 0% of humanity gets to go home. There are no it's, homes. There is no homes, homes to go The concept to. of home has gone. Yeah. The only the only homes that there will be are the vaults left in a post-apocalyptic wasteland yeah. that is um, essentially Peter Sellers in Fallout 4. The mineshaft built into the side of my seagull mountain. <laughs> um, no, I like it. So out of, out of my three, so it's a difficult one between... So my, my choice, really, because uh, Triangle's obviously going to be number one because it too perfectly encapsulates what it's like being a sports fan. And she doesn't come home. Yeah, is what what is further away from the concept of coming home, not coming home twice and then dying, or being shot into the sun. I feel like being shot into the sun because not coming home twice. I don't know. Kind of feels like a detour. Yeah, being shot into the su- yeah being shot into the sun is distinctly not coming home. Oh, the, there's no coming back. No, 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 no. In in that scenario, the sun is you, and you are a seagull. Oh, God. Now you put it that way. <laughs> sunshine, sunshine is obviously second. Yeah, so uh, I'm going... Yeah, so Triangle number one, Sunshine two, and uh, Dawn of the Dead picking up the rear at number three. Excellent. I'm just... I'm, I'm really glad that there's some things that just in the in the wider Podcast Nobody Asked For universe we've established about you, um, including <laughs> your uh, your heroin habit, <laughs> your propensity to murder seagulls and the fact that you would wear your dead mum's face. <laughs> oh, I really hope you guys listened to these episodes from the beginning. So <laughs> let's just briefly dive into that, shall we? Um, I have a heroin habit because in very flippantly in an episode, we decided I was in a hypothetical situation. I was Mia Wallace, and obviously Mia Wallace has a quite publicised heroin habit. Well, to be fair, she has a coke habit. But accidental heroin ac- habit. You've got an accidental yeah. heroin. Yeah, so you've got, sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, let, you've got a coke good. habit, you can't yeah. handle your heroin. Wearing my dad's mum's face came from a misunderstanding about post-apocalyptic uniforms. <laughs> I maintain it wouldn't have to have been my dead mum's face when I'm basically the guitar-playing hood ornament of a warlord's doof wagon. 
<laughs> I believe is the exact term. And if you had that on your bingo card this week, congratulations. Yes. And um And we've we I mean we've gone over the seagull. And the murder. seagull thing's a fair cop, really, isn't yeah. it? Can't not a lot of competition against that one. <laughs> or well, maybe the RSPB. <laughs> there's there's gonna be people who have things to say about that. Um it might just be how I measure how much I want something now. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now I've set that because the, the the thing with like spectrums is knowing you've got to have your access. So now I know Viking Super Bowl is thirty seven point three tons. Yeah, I I feel like I can gauge in tonnage. Right, and I know thirty seven point three tons should take three twelve hour shifts. So I can kind yeah. of mentally picture it. A so lot you've better got now. a really good. It's a good. It's a good scale. It's a good system. I don't so know that's... why. I don't know why people haven't learned about it before. Like, yeah, you, you've got that for the Vikings and the Super Bowl. Then you can say, I don't know, that last slice of pizza. <sighs> yeah, you see, that that's a lot. Like Wales, Wales Rugby World Cup. There's probably more. Yeah. Um, won't discuss how much more slice of pizza. I, I mean, a ten minute shift. Ten minute shift. Okay, okay that's, shift still, that's still a lot more. I was going to say ten seagulls, but you're killing one every one point five seconds, so ten minutes. Of- well, yeah, and I'm assuming you know that that time could fluctuate depending on lactic acid buildup, depends how much I'm training. So I'm assuming if this is something that I'm now spending my life doing, I'm going to be <laughs> my, my gym workouts are going to change <laughs> a lot more twisting. So out of our out of our choices, yep. What. What's our combined top three movies where it isn't coming home? Um, number one is the film that I've not seen, and Triangle yeah. just is too perfect for for many reasons, but particularly not so much the the fact that it doesn't come home, but the uh, the pure it perfectly encapsulates what it's like to to be an England fan. Her um, her entire driving force is wanting to go home and assuming this time it's going to be different. Yeah, and murdering some seagulls and murdering seagulls. Um, so I yeah I would go. Doctor Strangelove, I fully agree with, because you can't come home if there's no home, and if you're dead. Yeah. Which is probably the, you can't come home if you're dead, is a good, that's a, a bit of like a cross-stitching of that. <laughs> you can't come home if you're dead, yeah. Just just underneath, like, all the tiles of, like, oh, my friends think I'm crazy, something about wine, and then just, you can't come home if you're dead. Um <laughs> I think Doctor Strangelove has to be up there. Yeah, I do think being shot in the sun. I think being shot in the sun is probably um, is probably a good third place there. It's it, there's no coming back from it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, it, it's I don't know what the opposite of coming home is, but it is on the short list. It's going out, isn't it? To the sun? <laughs> no, just the opposite of coming home is going out. <laughs> yeah. True. True. <laughs> But yeah, I I think being shot into the sun is 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 it's on the other side of the spectrum, the this particular coming home spectrum, not yeah. the aforementioned seagull spectrum. Well, and also you've boarded a ship called Icarus, like you know you're not coming. You've boarded a ship called the Icarus Two. Yeah. After the first one went missing. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so that's that is a double layer of this isn't going to go that, well. That's the same as buying a ticket to go on the Titanic Two, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, the podcast nobody asked for's top three movies where it isn't coming home. So, number three, we have Sunshine. Number two, we have Doctor Strangelove. And number one, we have Triangle. If you agree with us, if you can think of any other movies where it isn't coming home, if you just want to talk about football, I will let Graham answer messages on our Instagram account, <laughs> which is at the podcast nobody asked for. You can also find us on uh, Kofi at the podcast nobody asked for, where you can buy us a coffee, and all of that money goes towards making the podcast bigger and better and more homely. It will not 
go towards my seagull habit. <laughs> um, if you would like to tweet us uh, about what you what what you would need to happen to kill eighty thousand seagulls for, because um, I'm really intrigued. Tell us. Also, as I mentioned before, if you can give the the workings out to and the calculation to the, the Doctor Strange Love problem that we posed earlier you will receive a copy of only one person not all of you but one of you you'll get a copy of Doctor strange love tweet us at nobody asked for pod with the number four you can also find us there on facebook and leave us a review on apple podcast or Podchaser uh, with any future episode ideas you have and be sure to leave a five-star review because all of those reviews and algorithmy stuff really helps us out and um, if that isn't enough, you can visit our website at the podcast nobody asked for dot co dot uk, which has everything that we've just talked about. And um, I guess if you go there frequently, you probably don't need to listen to our really shit outros where we try and make you go to all of our. Yeah, but you should you should go to everything. I mean, or just look at the episode notes; it's all there as well. But yeah, I learnt a lot about myself today. Yeah, it's we we often have these. Um, we have these moments from episode to episode where I really think we've, you know, this this is our niche. So I think when I asked if you were in a Paddington-like situation, what tube station would you like to be named after? That's one of my favourite tangents we've gone on. And yeah, seagull genocide is my is uh, <laughs> which also very good band name. Um, Maybe my new favourite. Yeah. Um, stand by it. for this.